Hi everyone, welcome back to the Gate of Heaven video diary where we are continuing our big adventure through the Dawnbreakers in preparation for the bicentenary of the birth of the Bab. And in this episode, we're going to look at another one of these great upheavals that take place while the Bab is in the prison of Shirik, the, the upheaval of Nairiz. And the, the leading figure in the Nairiz upheaval is that great national hero that, that we met some time ago, the, the, the acclaimed and brilliant scholar Sayyid Yahya Idarabi, known as Vahid, the one who, who uh, back in those early days had been specially commissioned by the king, by Muhammad Shah, to go to Shiraz and to conduct a royal investigation of the matter of the Bab. And you might remember from that episode, it was episode 10, where Vahid had, had, uh, he had tried with all his might to resist the charm of the young merchant of Shiraz. But after his three interviews with him, he, he, he just found that all his pride had just melted away and he was reduced to a puddle of tears as he witnessed the Bab's spontaneous composition of his commentary on the Surah of Kauthar, the very Surah of the Quran that Vahid had been holding in his heart. And from that moment, Vahid just casts to the wind his fame, his prestige, the, the adoration of his countrymen, all of that becomes for him a mere trifle compared to the, the treasures that he has discovered in his newfound faith in the Bab. And just like Mullah Hussein, just like the letters of the living, Vahid sets out blazing a trail across Iran, setting every city that he passes through on fire with this blazing love for the Bab and his message. And as he travels from, from city to city and town to town, whenever he finds a, a hearing ear, he deepens that person's understanding of the Bab's message. And then he empowers that person to, to spiritually empower the rest of the population. And then he shakes the dust off his feet and he moves on to the next town. And eventually he, he makes his way to his hometown of Nairiz, where the people are very attached to him because he's the pride of their city. Vahid is like the golden child of Nairiz. They love him, they adore him, and they don't want him to leave. But Vahid is concerned that if he stays, the governor of Nairiz, Zainul Abidin Khan, who is yet another iron-fisted tyrant, will oppose them and will suppress them. And he says to the people, My sole purpose in coming to Nairiz is to proclaim the cause of God. No need for me to tarry any longer in your midst, for if I prolong my stay, I fear that the governor will ill-treat you because of me. But the people of Nairiz say to him, We are ready and resigned to the will of God. We cannot, however, reconcile ourselves to so abrupt and hasty a separation from you. And so Vahid agrees to tarry a little longer in Nairiz, and he teaches the people with, with the inspiring eloquence that he's so famous for. And within a matter of days, these great waves of, 
enthusiasm about the Bob's message are, are rippling out through every street and alleyway and corner of Nairis. And who gets upset? Zainul Abedin Khan, who, on seeing all this excitement about the Bab being generated in his city, determines to silence Vahid. And when he realises that Vahid is, is actually attracting hundreds upon hundreds of supporters by the day, he assembles an army of over a thousand men, infantry, cavalry, armed with muskets and cannons, and he orders them to exterminate Vahid and all his supporters. And as soon as Vahid hears about this, he immediately tells his supporters that they need to leave their homes and they need to get out of Nairiz, and he, need, he, he directs them to take shelter in an old fort on, on, the, on the outskirts of Nairiz called the Fort of Khadje. And so just like the Babis in Mazandaran, the Babis of Nairiz now take shelter in, in an old fort as a place of protection. But as soon as they've installed themselves in this fort, Zainul Abidin Khan's thousand-man army descends on them and the bombardment begins. The bullets come, come firing, the cannonballs come crashing. And of course, Vahid has no army. All he has is these lay citizens of Nairiz. And yet, through his eloquence, through the power of his speech and, and his profound understanding of the human spirit, he ignites such a fire of, of invincible confidence in these people that when, when the bombardment comes, they immediately charge out of the fort, the men and the women, the, the, the young and the elderly, like a hurricane, driving themselves into Zainul Abedin Khan's army. And just like their fellow Babis in Mazandaran, they repulse the attack. And the fierceness of this repulsion is so unexpected and so shocking that the soldiers scatter and retreat back to their camp, totally shaken by the roars of confidence echoing out from these men and women of Nairiz. And this dynamic continues day after day, attack after attack and repulsion after repulsion. And Zain al-Abidin Khan cannot understand why his soldiers are repeatedly failing to, to, to subdue this band of untrained men and women of Nairiz, one of whom is reported to have been an old shoemaker of more than 90 years of age. And Nabil tells us, they trembled at the fury and vengeance of their women, no less than at the bravery and skill of their men. They realised that all the resources of the army had been powerless to subdue a handful of immature lads and decrepit old men. And so eventually, as had been the case at the siege of Sheikh Tabarsi, the governor decides that the only weapon that will enable him to succeed is treachery. And just as Prince Mehdi Kuli Mirza had done, Zainul Abidin Khan sends a copy of the Quran into the fort with the following message. During the last few days, 
we have been made aware of the fact that your activities are untinged by any political motive, that none of you cherish any inclination to subvert the foundations of the state. All that you seem to uphold is the claim that a man has appeared whose words are inspired. We can in no wise be convinced of the validity of this claim unless you consent to repose the utmost confidence in our sincerity and accept our request to allow certain of your representatives to emerge from the fort and meet us in this camp, where we can, within the space of a few days, ascertain the character of your belief. If you prove yourselves able to demonstrate the true claims of your faith, we too will readily embrace it, for we are not the enemies of truth. This Qur'an, to which we affix our seals, is the witness to the integrity of our purpose. Let that holy book decide whether the claim you advance is true or false. The malediction of God and his prophet rest upon us if we should attempt to deceive you. And Vahid says to his companions, Our appointed hour has struck. Our acceptance of their invitation will surely make them feel the baseness of their treachery. Though I am well aware of their designs, I feel it my duty to accept their call and take the opportunity to attempt once again to unfold the verities of my beloved faith. And so Vahid himself comes out of the fort and he spends three days inside the military camp of Zain al-Abidin Khan, who, who welcomes him as, as the national icon that he is and, and treats him as his honoured guest, lavishing upon him every gesture of hospitality and respect. And for these three days, Vahid elucidates for Zain al-Abidin Khan and his colleagues the nature of the Bab's message. Nabil tells us, the majesty of his bearing, combined with his penetrating eloquence, confounded his hearers. For three days and three nights, they lavishly entertained him and treated him with marked respect. Though outwardly they seemed to be bowing to his will, yet they were secretly plotting against his life and were conspiring to exterminate the remnant of his companions. So, Zainul Abidin Khan knows that he can't compete with the Babis in the fort. And he also knows that if he hurts Vahid under the current circumstances, there will be hell to pay. And so he devises a strategy to get the people out of the fort. He, he gives Vahid his assurance of a peaceful end to the situation. And he asks him to send a letter into the fort to assure his companions that a peaceful settlement has been reached and that they are now free to, to safely return to their homes. And so Vahid writes this letter and he gives it to one of his companions who has accompanied him to the, the governor's camp. This is a man called Sayyid Abid. But of course Vahid sees right through the governor's designs and so he secretly writes a second letter telling his companions that the governor is lying and saying to them, do not leave the fort. And he tells Sayyid Abid, 
to destroy the first letter and deliver the second. But Sayyid Abid has already been intercepted and corrupted by the governor. And in order to save his own skin, he betrays Vahid. He destroys the second letter and he delivers the first. And Zain al-Abidin Khan watches as Vahid's companions emerge from the fort and with some trepidation start walking in the direction of their homes and like a pack of wolves waiting to pounce on their prey his soldiers move in and surround them. The men were seized, chained, ill-treated and eventually slaughtered. The women and children were captured and subjected to brutalities which no pen dare describe. They were paraded at first through the streets of Nairiz, after which they were subjected to atrocious treatment in the hope of extracting from them whatever material advantage their persecutors had hitherto been unable to obtain. These having satisfied their greed, each victim was made to suffer an agonizing death. Every instrument of torture their executioners could devise was utilized to quench their thirst for revenge. They were branded, their nails were pulled out, their bodies were lashed, an incision was made in the nose through which a string was driven, nails were hammered into their hands and feet, and in that piteous state, each of them was dragged through the streets, an object of contempt and derision to all the people. And the governor turns his attention to Vahid, who he now holds as a, as, a, as a prisoner in his camp. And he lets loose on him his fellow wolves. These men snatched the turban from the head of Vahid, wound it around his neck, and binding him to a horse, dragged him ignominiously through the streets. Thus was brought to an end a noble and heroic life. Such an eventful and brilliant career, distinguished by such vast learning, such dauntless courage, and so rare a spirit of self-sacrifice, surely required for crown a death as glorious as that which completed his martyrdom. So, from the moment, <laughs> from, the, from the time of Vahid's three interviews with the Bab, sorry, this stuff is hard to read. <laughs> uh, from the time of his three interviews with the Bab, Vahid gave up everything that he had built in his life, his career, his his prestige, his, um, 
his employment at the royal court, uh, and, and the esteem and adulation of his entire country. And he knew from the beginning that out of his love for the Bab, he would eventually give up his life as well. At one point, as he was riding across Iran on his royal steed, he, he said to the crowds gathered around him, This very steed the late Muhammad Shah gave me, that with it I might undertake the mission with which he entrusted me, of conducting an impartial investigation into the nature of the faith proclaimed by the Bab. He asked me to report personally to him the results of my inquiry, inasmuch as I was the only one among the ecclesiastical leaders of Tehran in whom he could repose implicit confidence. I undertook that mission with the firm resolution of confuting the arguments of the Bab, of inducing him to abandon his ideas and to acknowledge my leadership, and of conducting him with me to Tehran as a witness to the triumph I was to achieve. When I came into his presence, however, and heard his words, the opposite of that which I had imagined took place. In the course of my first audience with him, I was utterly abashed and confounded. By the end of the second, I felt as helpless and ignorant as a child. The third found me as lowly as the dust beneath his feet. He had indeed ceased to be the contemptible Sayyid I had previously imagined. To me, he was the manifestation of God himself, the living embodiment of the Divine Spirit. Ever since that day, I have yearned to lay down my life for his sake. And so, as we remember Vahid and all of these great heroes of the Dawnbreakers, I am really pleased and honoured to release the next song from Gate of Heaven. It's called Lord of Grace Abounding and it will be posted on my YouTube channel tomorrow, Saturday, May 4th. So if you're watching this video uh, on anywhere other than on YouTube, make sure that you go to youtube.com slash lukeslot and click subscribe and also click the little bell beside subscribe and that way you'll be the first to hear the song when it's posted tomorrow. So thank you for watching and I will see you on the other side. <laughs>